On this episode of A Soul's Quest podcast, we're interviewing comedian Jason Anders, also known as El Tigre Bacano. Stay tuned. Let's get let's get right, to it. Jason. Let's get to it. So let's let's dig in. We want to know all about you. Like Omar said, I've been watching some of your content as well, and it's actually pretty interesting and funny. So where um were you born? Where are you from? Tell us about your family, your culture, brothers, sisters. Born in New York Hospital. Okay. Yeah. Um raised in Manhattan. My mom was raised in Manhattan. My dad was raised in Brooklyn. Mm. My mom's parents, I think, were raised in Manhattan. My dad's parents in Brooklyn. Great grandparents from like Russia, Belarus, okay. Poland, that area. Mm-hmm. So I am a uh, like a an East European Jew. Okay, my mother's Jewish. Right. So my real last name was Andorsky. Mm-hmm. So my great grandparents, um, it was Andorsky, and they changed it in the early 1900s to Andors because Jews couldn't get work back in the day. But now I'm thinking about changing it back so I can get more work. (laughs) (laughs) Isn't that ironic? (laughs) Going back to the roots. And so you were born in Manhattan. Did you grow up in Manhattan as well? Or was it? Yeah, I grew up on the Upper West Side until I was seven on 102nd between Broadway and Amsterdam. Mm -hmm. And um, and then my my parents moved to I don't want to say the year, but they moved to uh, 89th Street. My mom's still there. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Rent control apartment. My dad lives on 90th, a block away, stalking, stalking her. <laughs> but they, but they, still, uh, they still hang, you know, they still go out to eat and stuff. They like each other? They're okay. Yeah, <laughs> they're all right. They fight all the time, but there's, a ta- there's an, an attachment there. That's a deep good. Attachment and uh, probably us, their kids, is probably yeah. the main attachment. But, um, yeah, so my dad, you know, my dad, they met in acting school. Oh, that's nice. Okay. Yeah, they met. I, th- I think it was at least Stroudsburg. I'm not sure. But that's where they met. So my family's been in the arts for a minute. So they were very accepting of me, you know, becoming an artist. Mm-hmm. Um, my mom. What did they do? Up- Say it again. What kind of what did they end up doing artistic wise? What did they do? Nothing. They ended up giving birth to me and quitting. <laughs> <laughs> you were the last. You were the, I, I ruined their lives. Yeah, I ruined their lives. We're done. We're done. Okay. <laughs> yeah, we need to work now and support this little brat. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So my dad was a diamond setter. Mm. Uh, my grandfather. My grandfather was a diamond setter. Mm. Um, you know, he went to Cornell and he, you know, he graduated with a. Um, I think he majored in chemistry. But they ended up diamond setting. You had to work, whatever. Yeah. So, he, so my dad worked with him on 47th Street for years in a little little office, uncomfortable office. I worked with them for a little bit for a minute. I hated it. <laughs> and then um, my, years later, my dad, um, the business started to go out of business around 19, around 1999, 2000. And my mm-hmm. uncle invented a dog washing machine. Oh, okay. really? That's neat. Yeah, called Hydro Surge. And you pretty much reused the same gallon, two gallons of water, and it filtered it so you didn't waste water. And then he, he invented the, uh, the, um, the shampoo and everything. He's a dentist. Oh, wow. So anyway, it worked on my dog had mange. <laughs> I had a pit bull. I got a pit bull from um, – I pretty much moved out. I was living at home until I was like 20. 
And then I'm <laughs> like, they didn't want to get me a dog. So I'm like, I'm going to get an apartment so I can get a dog. Right. And I was always, whenever I was focused on something, I made it happen, you know? <laughs> so I left and I, and this, there was this hippie that I knew from Central Park. He used to always be at the Sheep's Meadow by T Tavern on the Green. And I remember he, um, he had this dog. I wanted to get a boxer. And then I see him show up with this little four month old puppy. I'm like, what the hell is that? Mm -hmm. That's a pit bull. And I always heard pit bulls were the devil, you know, mm -hmm. the cutest dog I've ever seen. Mm -hmm. It was named Pandora. And I watched Pandora grow up. And then years later, oh, so this was when I was maybe 16 or something. Mm -hmm. And then years later, when I was 20 and I wanted to get that boxer, I found out Pandora was pregnant. Mm. You know, oh. by this other ugly pit bull named Samson. <laughs> Samson had a huge head and Pandora was beautiful. So it was like, sick. <laughs> so, and the hippie was like a really big, like, like weed dealer back in uh, the day, you know, like that, right. that was his, he made a ton of money doing that. And then, uh, so I said, you know what? I can, I, I want to get one of those puppies. So then, uh, I remember we went to the house and I wanted a beige one and I see this little black one staring at me. So anyway, I don't know how I, I got into this story. No, go ahead. This <laughs> no, is good. This no, is we're good. talking about hydro search. Hydro yeah, search. hydro search. That's right. Yeah, but that did little puppy Samson... grew up to be a really loyal pit bull. Huh? Okay. I was going to say, did Samson, the ugly pit bull, and then Pandora make a cute baby? Oh, yeah. Apollo. That's how it goes, you know? Ugly, dog, cute... Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. Cute kids. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. <laughs> so, so tell us a little bit about your, your, your grandparents and, and your relationship with them. I mean, they came from the... Uh, at that time when they came in, there was a lot of um, resistance. Well, they grew up in New York. They grew up in New York. My great grandparents, I didn't know. They didn't grow okay. up. Yeah, well, they were born in Eastern Europe. And what up? So then, what about your grandparents and your parents? Those that relationship and you growing up, how was that? We were very close. We would always, um, I, you know, I was never a religious Jew, but I celebrated the holidays with all of them. Mm -hmm. So we would go to, um, we'd always use it as an excuse to get the family together you know but we wouldn't really do the real the whole prayer like usually it's like three hours of prayers we do like the cliff notes yeah. <laughs> like the jews escaped egypt let's eat you know that was kind of our religion and i have my bar mitzvah for the cash you know yeah, of course and I had to make my grandmother happy um so i had the bar mitzvah uh we were break dancing at the bar mitzvah mm -hmm. you know i remember we had a battle there oh, and nice. then, um you know so i didn't grow up religious but i grew up i, I claim you know i'm proud to be jewish Right. Mm -hmm. Right. But um, my heart right now, you know, which we'll talk about later is yeah. somewhere mm -hmm. else right now. Yeah. I just like, you know, it's it's really like I'm, I'm New York. That's that's what I am. I'm New York culture. New York is a melting pot of all cultures. Mm -hmm. So that's that's my religion is just I'm everything. Yeah. I feel like I'm a chameleon because I grew up in public schools with everybody. Oh, yeah. Okay. So so now tell us about schooling, because you, you mentioned that you went to all public schools. And yeah, I grew up in the public that? school system um, in New York. Uh, my brother's young. I have a younger brother that's like seven years younger than me. And he uh, he actually ended up like this is how Jewish we were. Um, my uh, we weren't religious, but we were really Jewish. There's still like a difference. You know what right. I mean? Like we were so Jewish. My parents sent my brother to private Catholic school because it was a little cheaper. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, that's how Jewish we got down. But um, <laughs> no, that's a true story. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, he went there. So I, I grew up there and I grew up, I mean, my public schools had, was very mixed. It's like 30% of everything, you know, 30% mm -hmm. white, 30% Latino, 30% black, and then 10% other, you know? Right. And I always, I always kind of talk about how I consider myself anyway, like an other, like, I think we're all others. Mm -hmm. Like when I fill out the job application, I want to check other, even though I've never really filled out a job application, I've never had a real job, but let's <laughs> say I was, I'd want to check other, you know? And, um, 
Because like, for example, like if you were like on a plane, you know, we were on a plane and like in first class, you had like Jen Lopez, Denzel Washington, Jackie Chan and like Tom Cruise mm-hmm. and the plane crashed and we all died. What's the newspaper going to say the next day? Right. Tom, Denzel, Jen and Jackie Chan died in a horrible plane crash. And so did a bunch of others. others. So there's a bunch of others. Yes. That's who we are. We're all others. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's interesting. That's a but good that's way how I feel. I feel like another, I feel like everything. Um, I grew up, you know, I thought I was more Puerto Rican when I was young and then I became black for a while. And then <laughs> I feel I'm Dominican now. But I, <laughs> yeah. What happened with those transitions? Because those, that's an interesting segue into, OK, how do you become Puerto Rican? They all are they're They all have commonalities, though, big time. Mm-hmm. But how did you become like in your experience? How did you become Puerto Rican at that time? Because uh, Right. I guess the people I, when I when break when popping came and when I was popping, I learned how to pop. But that was kind of like I learned how to pop from actually a black kid at summer camp. One mm. summer, my parents sent me to an all black summer camp. Oh, cool. uh, my mom still denies she knew it was a black camp. But, <laughs> but you know, on stage, like I'll say, like she denied, denies it was a black camp. But I don't know how you didn't know it was a black camp when the advertisement for the camp said Raheem's right on with the fist. So brother sleepaway camp. <laughs> like, how do you not figure that out? And uh, what was that like for you? Just out of curiosity. Honestly, it was crazy. That camp was crazy. It was really? a YMCA sleepaway camp. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't like listed as an all black summer camp. It was a YMCA sleepaway camp that just happened to be. It was basically 99 point something percent black because it was me. And there was one other white kid at the camp that was like French. And he didn't even like no one knew what bunk he was in. He was like homeless at the camp. He's always showing up with like a different pet. Like he had a wild lizard or a snake. <laughs> no, he always had different animals. There's always and, that uh, kid at camp. There's always that kid at camp. Just... Yeah, yeah, yeah. No one knew. It was very yeah. weird. And um, but everyone in my bunk, I was the only white kid in the bunk. Um, I remember the counselor would make us sleep on the floor if you cursed. Mm. So I slept on the floor a few times with no cover. <laughs> I was going to say, is that where you spent your time on the floor? Yeah, a lot of the time. Yeah. I remember my friend burned his hand cooking on the barbecue. It was like, fuck, you know, <laughs> like, you're on the floor tonight. I'm like, come on, give him a pass. Give him yeah. a pass. He burned himself. <laughs> Hello. Yeah. Yeah. So and I learned there's a kid named Ronnie in my in my uh, I would love to find out if Ronnie's still around in my bunk who started popping and he was from the South Bronx. Mm. This was like 19. This was the early 80s, you know, and, mm. and he um. He's doing like he's doing like a wave and then he did the heartbeat. He did a bunch of stuff. I'm like, what the hell is that? He's like, it's called electric boogie. So uh, he taught me some moves. And uh, and then I got pretty good. And that's when the song Planet Rock came out by mm. Ford of Africa Bambada. Mm-hmm. And I remember there's another kid. And then it was like, you know, that camp was like seriously like it felt like a prison that camp because not because it was black, but it just felt like the attitude there was crazy. Like I remember the, the kid that taught me how to pop had beef with this guy the first day that was messing with me and he got in his face like and he pulled me over this is how i met him he pulls me over he goes yo he's with us it was yeah. almost like they put me in their crew on that side of the prison you know what i mean yeah <laughs> and so then so then i'm with them and then that night i wake up at like three in the morning to some sound i thought it's a sound of like wolves or something and i look out the window and they're jumping this dude outside of the camp this is sleepaway camp they're beating him down he's like yeah yeah that was from earlier you know what i'm saying i'm like oh wow oh my god so um so I then learning, i'm like let's just stick with the dancing you know mm-hmm. so once i started to get good there was this other kid at the camp that like always wanted to battle me he was jealous i was getting good quick i learned in like a week some stuff 
So he, I was in the shower and he, he said, yo, get out of the shower, man. I want to battle you. I'm like, yo, I'm naked. Chill. You know, <laughs> wait a minute. Wait a minute. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So um, whenever I see like jail movies and stuff, I kind of relate because of that summer. at camp. <laughs> Jail <laughs> prison. You know, like I've never, yeah, I've been in prison for eight hours once car. Accident, <laughs> but, but um, anyway, um, so, I, so I learned some moves and then I come back to sixth grade at um, IS44 and I found out my friend Norman, who I grew up with, AKA Normski, who was original Rocksteady crew member and Flashdance, the lead of Buffalo Gals video, all that stuff. Mm. He was like known for popping in the city. He was one of the most known. I was like, when did you get known? Like in fifth grade, I don't remember you doing this, you know? Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden you're known over the summer. Like what happened? He was always the best athlete and he was the best runner in New York. He could best fighter, you know, now he's the best popper in like two months, wow. you know, yeah. he was dating women when he was 11, 12, he, full grown, like 20 year olds. What? When he was 13. He was sleeping with his 26 year old manager. Oh my God. Yeah, he got busy as a kid. I remember meeting him when we were 13, we bumped into each other and he had a girlfriend that was probably at least 1920 with a stroller and her kid. Oh, wow. Um, like, hey, Jason, this is my girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like the things you get away with in the '80s. The puberty you know? voice. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, that is the puberty voice. Oh my god! Yeah, so he was like one of the best. So he taught me more. Mm -hmm. And uh, that year was when he taped Flashdance, I remember. Mm -hmm. And then he was a street little celebrity. So I learned. I became. I got a partner named uh, Peter Shorty Shock, and we started a crew called the Rare Pair because mm -hmm. we're two Jewish kids that could dance. Oh, that's cool. Because so it was a rare pair. Then I ended up auditioning. For the high school of performing arts, LaGuardia. LaGuardia, yeah. Yeah, pop, I was doing horrible in school. Junior high school, I was failing my classes. Mm -hmm. I was always great at math, but I was just failing. I was into breakdancing and snapping, like like your mother this, your mother yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My humor came out in seventh grade. My friend Malik, he was the funniest kid in junior high school. <laughs> he brought out my humor. I was like his apprentice. So that's when my humor came. That's when I realized my, my I had humor, you know? Right. Well, out. I was addicted to getting laughs starting from seventh grade. So, so look, I can I ask you this, Jason, really quick? Because now you're starting to get into the next stage, which is really awesome about okay. these interviews. It goes it's very natural, the well, flow. But Mike, I have a question for you. When you were younger, before your, you know, the, the, when this starts happening for you and your humor starts to develop, what was was your childhood? Were you like, did you have any kind of inkling that you were like funny did your parents get that from you or did you just like you didn't have that? I, I have no memory of being funny before seventh grade. I just have a memory of always wanting to be different and doing things differently from everyone else. Right. Mm -hmm. Which you de definitely did. From what you When I played sport, I wasn't really into sports. Uh -huh. I wasn't a fast runner. I think that's why. Like I had a good arm. Like I could throw a ball further than everyone. I beat everyone in arm wrestling. I got everyone in a headlock. I had athletic <laughs> ability, but for some reason I was a I was a headlock king, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's not until you're an adult where you find out regular headlocks don't really work in fights. Like you got no, 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 no. They, you know, yeah, they don't work in a jujitsu gym. So, so yeah. I um, but I was the king of that in arm wrestling. Okay. And and, and uh, so I, you know, I would I'd be good. Like if we played two hand touch football, whatever as kids, I'd, I'd be the quarterback. I just want to do things. solo. I got good at tennis real quick. Mm. I wanted to, to be one-on-one. -on -one. I didn't like teams. The idea of team sports. Team sports. If I would have finished college. I really went to a real college. I probably would not have been in a fraternity. <laughs> like, I always like to be kind of solo. I have a lot of friends, but like, I didn't like being part of cliques. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. Okay. And you knew that as a young, young, as a child. Yeah. And you start what, getting, 
Yeah. What what do you think drove that? Because that's a very interesting thing for an artist uh, to develop that and find that at an early age. So what do you think drove that that idea of being such an individual? Instead of knowing that you get more, I like to get all the credit or all the blame. You know, like one on one on something. If you win, it's all you. If you lose, Mm -hmm. it's all you. That's a good perspective. (laughs) And I like that you get more attention too. you stand out. Yeah, maybe I wanted attention. I need. Yeah. Attention. I don't know, but uh, yeah. I think I do need attention. I think, <laughs> I think most comedians need attention. Yes, that's oh, true. I guess so. Yeah, I've yeah. never heard of that yeah. either. That's interesting. Yeah, <laughs> but so um, then you're in now. You're in middle school. You have this little um, team that you have set up now with the whole snapping and popping. You find out that you're humorous. Okay, tell us about that. That's interesting to me. Yeah, I just uh, I don't remember the moment I found out. I just clearly remember Malik was the funniest guy on the planet. You know, anything he said, just the way he delivered it, it didn't even have to be written well. You know, you just be like, your mom throws bricks out the window, you know, whatever. That's and then hilarious. you're dying in laughter. <laughs> that, you know? And uh, I just started, we became friends. And then I just started snapping with him. And then people, he was laughing. You know, he was giving me props on my the stuff I was coming up with. Right. And then I was addicted to beating everyone and snapping. Like I was just an, I was an asshole. <laughs> like, like, no, I, no, I became like kind of an asshole. Like, I just want to hurt people's feelings to get laughs. Oh, wow. You know, I mean, I, I mean, people and like that worked. But I wasn't like an evil ass, but I've been saying, you know. No, but you were saying, I mean, that's what snapping is, right? You, you, you take somebody, you find somebody in the crowd or whatever, and you start just doing the, or that your opponent, right? The person that you're snapping yeah. against. Is that how that works? Yeah. You just, I mean, you know, they snap on moms. It's, it's, it's a lot more friendly than walking in the room and snapping on someone's clothes or their mm-hmm. hair or mm-hmm. all that. Because when you snap it on their mom, you don't know their mom. So it's yeah, obviously right. just all just stupid and creative and whatever. But when you snap it on someone's looks, like, mm-hmm. oh, look at your one arm, whatever, then it's mm-hmm. becoming mean. But if you say yeah. your mom's got one arm and, you know, yeah, flat yeah. box king or whatever, you know, queen. But, you know, what I'm saying it's just yeah. you don't know their mom. You don't even know what she looks like. Right, right. You, you know, it's yeah. funny, you too. It looks like. And she only has one arm and you snap another one arm. Then, yeah, then it's me. You, you yeah. know, what's funny because that's uh, uh, I mean, I went to uh, New York City public school and we used to do that. We used to snap on each other all the time. It was it was a common sport, uh, but it didn't really get too personal uh, about appearances and looks and things of that nature. It was just uh, it was just kind of like that friendly bantering back and forth. I mean, that's that's yeah, kind of yeah, like what it, it is. Got, I, I, I got a couple of fights because of snapping twice. Mm. Three times, three times I got in fights. And what's crazy about these three fights was they were always twins. <laughs> really? Yeah. I Three times. There were twins in my junior high school. I ended up snapping and then we ended up, we get in beef and fight these twins from my Upper West Side and these other twins from the Upper West Side from oh, snapping three times with actual fist fights from mm-hmm. snapping from me winning. Yeah. Wow. They share the womb together. It's it, it too close. They share yeah, too much. Yeah. My eighth grade yearbook under my picture, my you know, you have a quote under your picture in the mm-hmm. yearbook. Mine was just snapping with a question mark and an exclamation mark, you know? <laughs> yeah, that's all I did. That and break dance. So you said you weren't good in school no. and your focus was more on, it was heavily on the break dancing, snapping and things like that. Yeah, I didn't do well in elementary school either. I was just a... Uh, did you I, just make I, I it? I'm diagnosing myself now with ADD. I mean, I never was diagnosed with that growing up, but mm. I'm pretty sure I had problems concentrating. I was always the best kid at math. 
since first grade and I didn't do my homework. I was just good at numbers. I mean, I used yeah. to add up, I'd be at the grocery store with my parents and I, I would add up the groceries with the tax before the register. Like weird, oh, wow. I was weirdly good as a kid. That's impressive. Than I am now. I'm still good now. They always give me the check when we go out to eat. I can, <laughs> I can tell what everyone owes exactly. You know, I won't pay it. Yeah. Yeah. You'll, right, break, right. you'll break it. You'll break it. This is your yeah, point. Yeah. 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 Percentages. <laughs> Yeah, because I was bad in school, I can't afford to pay the check, but I was good at math. So yeah. We need you. And when it comes to dinner time here, because my son somehow slides that check over to us and we end up paying for it. Not sure why right. it happens that way. But yeah, you'd be a, You're the a parent. Yeah. Yeah. That's what it is. Yeah. He's supposed to pay for it. Yeah, oh. that's it. That's how it is. Oh. So one of these days I'll take care. And of I think, you know, my family fought a lot at home. We got a lot of arguments as a kid. I think it was hard to concentrate mm -hmm. in the house. So I think I was, you know. I only like doing things, working hard at things I knew I was talented at, okay. mm -hmm. you know, which is why I didn't work hard at math. Eighth grade, I was failing all year. I had like a 36 average. I was about to get left back. And we had three weeks till the regents. And he's like, if you don't pass mm -hmm. it, you're going to get left back. So I had a tutor for like five hours. And then I got 100 on the regents, you know, I shut oh, everything mm -hmm. up and then I moved on and never studied math again. Yeah. Wow. Failed geometry in high school. So how did so you I get like something? I work hard, really hard at it. Anyway, okay, gotcha. No, I was just going to say, so you just kind of slid by with school. Yeah, I Elementary. just barely got by constantly. Wow. Mm -hmm. Okay. You, yeah. you mentioned about there's a lot of arguments and a lot of stuff happening at the house. Can you elaborate on that just a little bit? Yeah, just a lot of dysfunctional family, you know, a lot of love and a lot of dysfunction. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Because you said you guys yeah. were all really close. You know, your yeah, Jewish physical, holidays were about family. Physical, and Say it again. No, I was just saying you said that your family was really close. They made an excuse out of these holidays to come together. Yeah, I think I was a very angry kid inside. You know, really? How, yeah. how is how did that how is that contributing to your to your art art form? I mean, one of the things that I hear about comedians in particular is that they there's always like at the dark side. You know, we hear about the the Chris Farley's of the world, the, the Richard Pryor's of the world, and they have uh, that duality within themselves. Um, do you attribute that to a lot of the stuff that happened to you as a kid? Yeah, what, the dark side, you're saying? Yeah. I mean, you just assume, like you're saying, like, I do have a dark side, very mm -hmm. dark side. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, like, I like knowing about that because, you know, one of the things that we talk about here is, you know, um, you need to know that part of yourself because that part has a lot of stuff to share and teach. And yeah. it's like Dionys Dionysus, you know, the great God that just would do whatever they wanted. That's a part of us. And that's an important part of us. Um, but I want to know a little bit more about that. Yeah, I don't know. I overall, I don't find the world a great place. OK. You know? um, I think I have a very sad soul, mm -hmm. but I have a good amount of happy moments that keep me from needing antidepressants. Okay. Yeah. You know, but a sad soul. I mean, the goal in life, I guess I would love to have a happy soul and some sad moments. Mm -hmm. But that's not, I don't know if that's ever going to happen. I think mm -hmm. most people, a lot of people are like that. But, you know, I meet people that are just happy all the time with sad moments. I'm, I'm like, how are you like that? How is that possible? Yeah. Mm -hmm. so what, what makes it so sad for you? That's uh, that's an interesting. I just find the world. I mean, I, I can enjoy moments, but I just find the world. I, I see the sadness all the time. And mm -hmm. now the Internet doesn't help at all. Mm hmm. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Now, now the internet, like we used to have, most people have like a few bad, really bad memories mm -hmm. in their life. But now with the internet, like we have everybody's bad memories. Yeah. Like, yeah. Too many things. It's like, oh, wow. I remember mm -hmm. when, you know, 
Saddam Hussein tortured me, but he mm -hmm. didn't. But you watch a video of him torturing someone else. So you just see every memory yeah. becomes your own. Of course. Mm -hmm. okay, Jesus. So, yeah. but one of the things that you said though is, and I think maybe this is what Omar is alluding to, is that you were an angry child, right? <laughs> so what were you angry Sorry. about? How do you- I don't know The you way don't... you really, you really emphasize angry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> angry, you were angry. <laughs> I emphasize a lot. I'm Puerto Rican and Dominican. <laughs> Go figure. <Yeah. laughs> that's all um, I do is emphasize. That sounds like there's a lot of happiness in those cultures, though. There is. A there lot, is. A lot of much. arguing in those cultures. A lot. We're a passionate. Lot of and arguing, but a lot of a lot of partying and happiness. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. we, we, yeah. So that's one of the things that I'm trying to say is that we there's so as a young child, as a child. How do you how do you know that you were so angry? How do you because that's what you said. You said that you were an angry child. You were angry growing up. Yeah, I, I you know, I still can't figure out why. Okay. I don't know. Okay. I was just um, I think because my whole family was pretty angry all the time. OK, so it was a very uh, I don't know. I don't know why I was so angry. OK, I really okay. don't. Fair enough. Yeah. Now, you mentioned you mentioned Malik uh, as one of your friends and you also mentioned um the rare pair. Uh, what was his, your, your boy's name? My friend, Peter. Peter. Pair, yeah. Um, so he's you had... he's like art director at Hollywood Reporter now. Oh, LA. wow. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, nice. a lot of my friends became, you know, pretty successful. Malik never went into comedy just mm. as a regular job construction like in Pennsylvania. But <laughs> he's still all right. He's still good. You know, mm. and uh, I have a lot of good friends from childhood. Oh, that's good. I have um, five solid five of my best friends since first grade are still my best friends. Like, that's awesome. That's rare. Yeah, that's very rare. That's a New York thing. Mm -hmm. A lot of New Yorkers stay in New York or don't go far. Come back. You know, it's just like a New York. It's very rare. Yeah. Yeah. So no. it's great. we still talk. We all hang out and, you know, that's awesome. we don't hang out often a lot of us, but mm -hmm. that's cool. One of the things that you mentioned earlier, right, is that um, being a native New Yorker uh, in, in the city, uh, being exposed to all this diversity at a young age, you say you, you became Puerto Rican and you were black and then you were this. And, and that's like um, what happens to a lot of New Yorker, New Yorkers, regardless of regardless of their race, um, because, you have, you know, it happens to us when you live there. Can you expand a little bit on that? It made me I mean, first of all, it made me a different type of comedian because I'm comfortable performing in front of any type of crowd. Mm -hmm. I don't feel like I feel like I can crack edgy jokes about different cultures, but organically, I don't feel like I'm forcing it. Yeah. I'm used to being around all cultures. So I know I, my instinct is there on yeah. when I'm going too far or not. I'm not, you know, so that helped a lot. And when I say I was Puerto Rican, black, white, whatever, I mean, there were different moments, but I mean, it all came to fruition and made me a, a chameleon. Mm -hmm. yeah. Now I'm everything. Yeah. But I had moments, different moments growing up where I was maybe hanging out. I mean, the B-boy culture was everything. Mm -hmm. Dancing, you, you don't really think about race anywhere. Yeah, people would be like, oh, he's good for a white boy. There yeah. was that. Nowadays, I don't think there's that anymore. No. Nowadays, everybody, I mean, you go to Europe. I mean, a lot of, was a lot of amazing. The Asian break dancers are insane. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. You know what I mean? I still yeah. always like, for some reason, I always found like the Puerto Rican ones the best. I don't know why. Like they, they, they were the best B-boys. They had so much flavor and they had that salsa flavor with them, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, there were, I don't remember a lot of, I guess there were a good amount of Dominican B-boys back in the day too. I mean, definitely the black B-boys too. I mean, they're all, you know, but the, but there's everything now and it's worldwide. It's mm -hmm. not yeah. as exciting anymore. 
but it's everywhere. Do, do you travel a lot for the competitions? We actually uh, um, uh, interviewed Mighty Max, um, uh -huh. and, and he was a competitor at that time, and he mentioned that he traveled all over the place. Do you get that? Uh, do you I get was to a do little that as well? kid, so when I was, it was, you know, I was young. I was like, you know, from like 10 to 14. I mean, there was no traveling. Yeah. I mean, there was traveling to 99th Street to 86th Street for a battle and stuff like that. <laughs> I went to people's schools, but I never – um. I never traveled for it. No, my, my, my good friend, Justin, Justin Bowie, he's a big artist. I don't know if you've seen his stuff, BUA. I think your sister knows him. And uh, he, um, he traveled. You know, I met him when I was like 12 and he was 15. You know, he found there was another white guy that could dance in the neighborhood. So we <laughs> became really close since oh. then. And um, yeah, I remember he went to Europe and did a whole tour and stuff. And my friend Norman traveled a lot. But I, I was too young. My parents didn't really want me even going. Like I was invited to go to the Roxy when I was like 13. They're mm. like, nope, that ain't nope. happening. You could mm. go Saturday afternoon for roller skating, but that's about <laughs> it. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I, I wish I did, you know. I just did you, didn't. Did but you I have got any traveling with comedy? Say it again. Yeah. yeah. No, I was just about to ask you, did you have during this time when you were in middle school and you were doing all this and you were sort of like popular in your neighborhood and you were like doing this stuff? Did you have any like Love interests, girlfriends, any? Yeah, I mean, I definitely. Uh, did the girls like want to well, be with you too? When you they know, that's why he did it. You know, that's the first for motivation is the girls. Come on. That's why we do everything. <laughs> I mean, that's easy. I'm naive. I don't know that. I'd be in fetal position in my bed waiting to die. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm not going to work. Why would I work? To go take my friends out to a drink? No. Right. Yeah. And then I have to pay for it? No. Yeah. No, life is over. <laughs> life is over. <laughs> so yeah. so who uh, was was there one that, you know, that, that captivated you and you're like, oh, I want her. And then you did, was, did you pursue that? When I was a kid, junior high school, I just had I dated different girls. I was pretty I was popular, you know, mm -hmm. yeah, Peter was more popular. And then uh, but I was up there, you know. Mm -hmm. I definitely got girl. That was a good time in my life. Seventh and eighth grade. <laughs> I was kind of a happy kid then. Break dance. You know, I, I guess. Let me think about it. I mean, I guess I guess finding something I love doing made me happier. Because I guess I really felt maybe as before that, I felt super. Frustrated that you know, not even knowing why, just because I'm not doing anything I want to do. I was failing my classes, even elementary school. There's mm -hmm. nothing I love doing, you yeah. know, like, like playing, doing little things, sports or whatever I was doing video games. I loved as a kid, but whatever video games aren't that healthy for the brain. Yeah. But finding breakdance, finding popping was definitely a nice thing. And then, you know, after that I became a ballet dancer. So that That was really uh, well, 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 okay. They, hold wait, on. I, I thought you were, yeah, I thought you were exactly. telling a joke. Yeah, I thought it was a joke at first. Wait, wait, wait. wait I know, wait, I knew, wait. I knew you'd be surprised because you didn't mention it at the beginning. You talked about the break dancing, but yeah, yeah. the break. But yeah, well, well, okay. Let's let's talk about the valet dancing. Yes, talk. Let's to talk us about, about that. that. How did that get yeah, that started? Was a big part of my life. Oh, wow. Yeah. So when I was uh, in eighth grade, I was failing all my classes, mm -hmm. and then my dance teacher. We did dance two periods a day, like two, you know, two hours a, day, a week, I mean, or, or four hours a week in, in junior high school, but we didn't take the dance class. Like my friend Peter and I just sat in the corner, stood in the corner and practice our routines. Mm -hmm. He was cool with that. She's like, as long as you're doing something. Yeah. So finally I'm like failing. She said to me, she's like, look, 
uh, the dance teacher was like, look, why don't you audition for performing arts high school, LaGuardia? Mm. They accept men, boys a lot easier. If you have some sort of talent, you have a chance to get in. Like a girl needs to actually really be skilled, mm-hmm. you know, but the guy, there's not many guys auditioning for dance there. Yeah. So think about it. So I, I got this other teacher to choreograph something for me. This flaming gay dude from uh, <laughs> Walden High School. My mom found him on, on li- not online. I don't think we had, we didn't have internet then, but she found him somehow. Right. And, uh, and uh, he, uh, he came, he, he tutored me for like five hours. And he choreographed this routine to audition for performing arts. And it was like, I thought it was good then. You know, I was really like, wow, this is a cool routine. Uh-huh. But like later on, I realized how horrible it was, but it got me in the school. Okay. Yeah. The point is he, he, he saw me, he watched me pop and everything. And he saw me doing all these body waves. He's like, you know, that's actually like a jazz move. When you're doing your forward body waves, it's actually a real dance move. Mm. So we'll throw two of those in the routine, you know? And then he added shaky hands and finger snaps. <laughs> and spirit, and fi- spirit fingers? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I never heard spirit fingers, but yeah, I call them shaky hands. Yeah. So he added all this stuff. So then I get to the high school finally audition, and I'm, I'm totally embarrassing myself in the little ballet class they gave us up front. I didn't know anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, I'm like, I'm not getting into school. And then they're like, all right, do your routine. I did it to Shaka Khan. Ain't nobody. Oh. And I started with my back facing them. I got my black tights on, my white t- tight T-shirt, my little baby fat love handles hanging over. <laughs> I'm in the position, and I start the routine. <laughs> you know, and all the seniors and juniors would come to the audition to watch the auditioners just to laugh at us. Mm-hmm. You know, so they're sitting there, which I ended up doing when I was a junior and senior. To you know, I went into I never made it to senior, but I'll talk about that later. Yes, yeah. But anyway, um, so. So I'm uh, I'm doing the shaky hands. Oh, so I'm doing the routine. I got the shaky hands. I did one one leg kick, and then I go to the first body wave, and I look over and I see all the students dying in laughter. At me. Oh Lord! You know, oh, so I'm like, fuck. And I go to the <laughs> second body wave, and then there's you know, and I totally blanked on my routine because I still had like another minute after that. Mm-hmm. And I do like the third body wave. I'm trying to remember the routine. You know, I do like a fourth, and then. So by like the 97th body wave, I was like, yo, this shit ain't working anymore. I got to start, I got to start doing something else. You know, I body waved around that whole room, you know? And uh, so then I just start popping, you know, and going off. And they just stopped laughing. And then it became like real, like, oh, wait, this kid actually dances. And I got in all my agile positions and they saw okay. like flexible. Mm. Afterwards, like, okay, that was weirdly surprising out of nowhere. <laughs> So they're like, so how are you doing in school? You know, they want to know my academics. Yeah. I'm like, well, you want to, you want to know my, my average? And they're like, no, nah, no. Nah, are you passing everything? I'm like, oh yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> I had a 65 in every class. <laughs> That's passing. I didn't lie. Yep. Yeah. Oh, sure pass? yeah. Yeah. I thought you just well, you know, so then I got in <laughs> shockingly, I got in and then, uh, that was scary. That first day of dance, I knew nothing. And my first dance teacher was Miss Zimmerman. I was in the beginner ballet. I like, had two levels every year um, for modern and ballet. Of course, I was in one. Junior year, I got moved up to the advanced. Mm-hmm. I learned quick. But but freshman year, Miss um, Zimmerman, old Russian lady, and she was in the opening scene in the movie Fame. I don't know if you ever saw that movie Fame. Yeah, I did. 
then when Leroy and them were auditioning and, and she was the old lady, she's like, more energy, whatever. Oh. She had a little part of it. They put real teachers in that movie. Oh, that's oh, really? awesome. I do remember yeah. her. Yeah. And then my modern, one of my modern teachers, one of the ones I really didn't get along with was uh, one of the judges sitting there. And then the acting teacher in fame, actually, it looks a little like you, was uh, Mr. Moody. He was, uh, he was a real acting teacher Moody. at LaGuardia. Yeah. He was the act, actor, uh, the uh, teacher at LaGuardia, too. Oh, that's awesome. Um, anyway. So I got in, started ballet, modern and ballet every day. Mm. Mark Graham and ballet. I liked ballet more because I'm. It's more mathematical. Oh, it's, okay. it's it was more. Um, it, my brain worked better with ballet. Modern mm. was more abstract, but popping. I popped very mathematically too. Okay, it wasn't like just improving everything. I was very square, and you know, I wanted to hit like lines and positions. You know, very symmetrical. That's how I think. Okay, yeah. so. Modern wasn't like that. Modern was just a lot of odd. And my body was good for ballet, which is rare because a lot of people don't have the right body for ballet. Mm-hmm. I had the turnout, the flex, the arabet, the flexibility, the line for ballet. Mm-hmm. So that that inspired me too, you know. And my um, junior year, I got I got moved up to advanced, and then I went to audition for School of American Ballet, mm. which is uh, called SAB. It's it's like the best ballet school, not to brag, but it's right. the best ballet school in the States, really. Really? Wow. Yeah. I mean, maybe there's another one nowadays. People argue that better, but that's that was like the Harvard of ballet school for kids. You know, mm-hmm. it's a school for New York City ballet. It's at Lincoln Center. Wow. It's, it was in the Juilliard building. Um, and so I auditioned and I remember my friend telling me that he went to SAB when he was younger, but he, he got kicked out or something. But he's like, mm-hmm. you're not going to get in. Like, don't be sad when you don't get in. Like, no one really gets in there. You know, I went to audition during lunch break at Performing mm-hmm. Arts. And that's not a high school. That's just an after school. That was just a separate school, just ballet. Just ballet, yeah. So I would take class after school, mm-hmm. extra class. Extra, okay. okay. So yeah, I auditioned and everyone was sure I wasn't going to get in. And then there was a new head of the school, Mr. Robert Lindgren, I think it was his name. And he accepted me right after the audition. He said, so when you, you're going to start Monday, I'm like, I'm in. He's like, yeah. You know? So I was like, wow. I'm so happy to go back to LaGuardia. I walked in with a sad face too. Yeah. They're like, yeah, I told you, bro. I'm like, what do you tell me? He said, I told you. wouldn't." I said, no, I got in. I got in. <laughs> <laughs> he was so jealous and like angry at me for a minute, you know, mm. maybe oh, forever. Wow. Yeah. Wow. But then, you know, I got in and I started going there and I got injured two weeks later. Oh, wow. These these two guys were fighting in the locker room um, and they had this huge wood bench, like a 60 pound bench. And it wasn't like screwed into the floor. Well, and they mm-hmm. fell over and it slammed on my toe, broke my toe. Oh, man. The worst pain. It was like 24 hours when you really stub your toe. Yeah. Without going away. You know, that <laughs> immediate feeling. Non- Rob. <laughs> So, robbing. So, yeah, you know, I'm really stupid. I should have sued the high school. <laughs> Parents should have sued them. That's mm. a good point. It wasn't screwed in the floor. Yeah. You well, know, should have been. Should have been a, I, I should have had a hundred grand from that. But anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so um <laughs> yeah, so he so you know, I broke my toe, but I got better after two weeks and then I started SAB for like a year and a half. I got another injury, had to quit. Mm-hmm. But I dropped out of high school. I was in SAB and I got a big argument with the dance teachers and everything because um, I was failing my classes and I started cutting class. I was going to ballet all the time. Yeah. Oh. Failing my academics. Okay. Like usual. 
<laughs> I didn't go. I cut. My friend Simeon and I were cutting left and right. <laughs> And um, hiding in the in the bath and whatever, smoking weed with the security guard at the high school. <laughs> Don't you love those, the, the, the public school security guards? Those are the, yeah, man. All you, all you have to do is bring them lunch and you can do anything you want. Yeah. Or bring them a nickel bag. Right. Yeah, that's or a it. Nickel bag, yep, hey. That was yeah. it. They'll be happy yeah, with that's that. Yeah. OK. Yeah. So. So, you know, and I ended up dropping out because I got, you know, they brought me in a big meeting with my mom. It was um supposed to be just like the, the head of the dance department, the gray guy to my mom. But then we show up, it's like two dance teachers, head of dance department, the gray guy, the great advisor, the principal. Wow. It was like they surrounded me like almost in a, it was like it was like mental bullying almost yeah. like they, they, they really like just started sitting around me. And I, I couldn't talk because, you know, like you're about to cry. Yeah. So like, you know, if you say one word, you're going to start crying. You know that moment? Like you're mm -hmm. just oh, yeah. borderline crying. Mm -hmm. You want to talk so bad, but you know, if you just say, well, uh, you know, <laughs> so I'm just like, I'm, and I had so much to say to defend myself, but I couldn't because I knew I cried. At one moment, I finally had a moment where the tears took a break, mm. you know, and I said something funny and the great guy laughed. And after he said, you know, that was funny what you said, whatever. <laughs> but they were trying to intimidate me. Yeah. To do my homework so I could, you know, pass whatever, but they didn't do it in a good way. I didn't like how they did it. Mm. And they're like, yeah, well, you can, you keep failing. You're going to have to, you know, we're going to have to kick you out. And I was an SAB. I was already in the best school. Yeah. So I'm thinking if you kick me out, I'm already in the best ballet school. I found what I want to do for my job. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I don't care. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I already had that when I, I was rebellious. Like when I had that in my mind, I'm like, I was waiting. Like, and my mom was, you know, on my side and she's just they're like, you could drop out. You could go to professional children's school. You could get your G the professional children's school is like a different school that was around, went around your schedule. Yeah. You know, around like if you dance, they figure out your academics around it. Or you could get your GED. Like, this is this? your mom saying this? No, this is them. Okay. This, okay. okay. But your mom was supportive of you or of them. Me. Okay. Okay. That's good. No, she had your back. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Like mom should be kind of yeah. yeah. unless they think you're just an absolute making the dumbest choice. But, right. Yeah. Well, which was good. That's motivating for you at that time, yeah. right? Yeah. So they said I said, explain what a GED was like trying to scare me. It's just a mm -hmm. shitty test you take, you know, and then you graduate and then you fail in life. Whatever they're saying, I said that sounds pretty good. I mean, I could just take <laughs> yeah. listen. Yeah. He said, "Wait a minute." <laughs> they graduate i could be what done am i in school for it now i could just i was like yeah i like the ged idea like no we're not telling you to take it we're just saying no 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 thanks for explaining that yeah mm -hmm. I said, mom i'm out let's go like <laughs> you really want to leave i said yeah i'm gonna take my ged let's get out of here <laughs> like, oh, okay. awesome. you're like no we were trying to tell you i'm like bye and that's how wow. i dropped out okay and I got my GED. I worked at a pool hall for a bunch of years before I got. I didn't get my GED right away. Mm -hmm. Okay. What? Well, so you, but you, you were still going to SAB, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, um, but then I got injured. Mm. Like I was not even eighteen yet. I was seventeen, and then my injuries never got better until I was twenty, and I quit ballet. Oh. So I kept trying to come back to class, and I just kept my toe, my groin area, like my inner thigh, you know, was tore it. Yeah. And I couldn't come back. So that was probably the most depressing year of my life when I was 20. Mm -hmm. Okay. I was just about to ask you, how did that make you feel? You were doing something you really love and now your body's sort of, um, I describe it as betraying you. You know what yeah. I mean? Like that's how yeah. I would feel. So yeah. how was that for you? Depressing. What were you doing? Very depressing. And you know, because I returned to my angry kid persona kind of because, um, mm -hmm. except a more mature 
level of depression, you know, where I could really like be more depressed as an adult, right. you know, <laughs> really understood my depression then. Right. But as a kid, yeah, I guess we figured out like, you know, as a kid, I didn't really know, I, I wasn't finding my true talent. Mm-hmm. I guess I was so, it was so built up inside of me, like this, this frustration mm-hmm. that I couldn't find that. And then I found it and I did it for years. Yeah. You know, I was in ballet for technically six years. Wow. I go to the ballet every night, New York City Ballet. They would allow the students, and, and the manager of the theater had a big crush on me. This old guy, yeah, so he'd always give me seats. He'd give me like whatever seats I wanted. Nice. So I'd like go out to dinner with him. So I owe him about four hundred dinners because I never. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but I got the best seats. You know, that's awesome. <laughs> that must then, have been amazing. Yeah, yeah. So it was a great, you know, cultural experience. So you you got you get your GED. But you mm-hmm. you don't right. you end up getting injured. You can't do ballet anymore. Mm-hmm. This is a yeah, negative time in your life. You know, first I found popping, right, which kept me interested. And I didn't really know if I didn't look at it as like a future profession. Mm-hmm. But that became that went right into ballet. That's into like, ballet, yeah. Ballet, boom. This is what I'm gonna do. Mm-hmm. I found. It. I knew what I wanted to be when I grow up. When I was 14. Yeah. Wow. Okay. You know, now I didn't that- usually have to retire in your 30s and find something else. But I wasn't worried about that at that right. point. Yeah. yeah. So, so now you're in this transition period because that has. You know, you know, it's gone away because, you know, limitations physically. Like your life is altered at this yeah. point. This is what you want to do. And now you're injured. You can't do it anymore. So I have nothing. now in my in my mind. I'm nothing now. You mm. know, like, um, it's just like life is over at this point. And mm-hmm. to top it off. I lost my virginity that year. I know it's late, 20 years old, but I lost my virginity. That's pretty impressive. (laughs) I I was scared to lose it in high school. I just felt like I was going to do a bad job and then rumor would spread. But like after high school, like after high school, you can flirt with a million women a day and no one finds out that you're getting rejected all day. Or you're you're, like, you people think you're a stud because you're always with a different girl. They don't even know you got rejected by 10,000 women. (laughs) But they see you with a beautiful girl. It's like, I I put the work in, you know? Yeah. That the lower but, um, the, the averages that you averaged out, right? The yeah. you ran the numbers. Yeah. I mean, look, I really lost my virginity. Well, I didn't really, but I lied and said I lost it at 16. All my friends right. that was 22 at camp. I made up some whole story. I was teaching how to dance and all of a sudden we just went at it and boom. So now mm. I didn't have to worry about my friends pressuring me right. to lose my virginity. I already lost it at 16. That was a lie. Right. Yeah. <laughs> 20. I actually lost it. Mm-hmm. And right when I'm injured at that age, she I fell in love with her and she broke up with me to move to California. So mm. I was a mixture of that and not knowing what I'm gonna do with my life. I was it was, you know, that's hell suicidal depression, but maybe, maybe I was close. Yeah. That's well, you're you're at like this place where you're you're you know, all the things that you love, it, it's like nothing is working out for seemingly it, it that's where you're at. Like nothing, there's nothing left. What are you gonna do now? The girl that you want to be with is gone, ballet is over. And so you're at this like crossroads physically and emotionally broken, you know, because that's that's a really it's heavy. It's a heavy place to be. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because health is everything, too. I mean, if you can't work out or you can't, you know, you're not healthy. Mm -hmm. I I don't know how the people that aren't healthy find happiness because it seems almost impossible. Yeah. And then you're dealing with the to the broken heart. So you can't do physical things to get your mind off of it. So you're just wallowing in this. Yeah, I can't do anything. I was I was working out on my upper body. I just couldn't mm-hmm. dance. Mm-hmm. But I was at the gym regularly, you know. Mm-hmm. 
I was strong, but I wasn't dance was over. Yeah. My, my attention getting was over. Like, what am I going to do? Right. Okay. Like it's, it's, it's just, I was playing pool. I started playing billiards when I got my first injury, mm. at 18, 17, mm. 18. I started going to this pool hall. I think it was called Julian's at first and downtown, whatever. And I got so addicted to pool. I played every day. I, I managed pool halls. And from yeah. 18 to 24, I was playing up to 10 hours a day. So wow. that's what kept my, it was depressed in the pool hall, but I got good at pool quick. Mm -hmm. I got really good because mm -hmm. that's all I cared about. Yeah. The next person. Yeah. You know what I mean? When I win a game of pool, I didn't feel good. I just kept me neutralized. Yeah. When I lost. I was fucking miserable. Right. Gotcha. You know, I was pretty much like McEnroe. I don't know if you remember him playing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. But I was like him. I was like him when I played tennis too. I mean, I was super angry all the time, but like I got good. I was wow. better than anyone I started with. You know, I was very competitive, but then I got injured. Then I hurt my wrist at like a boxing gym. I started going to a boxing gym too when I was 20. Mm -hmm. I was so depressed. And it was funny because I had my pit bull then, my girlfriend in the boxing gym, and my girlfriend's name was Adrian. <laughs> you know, I don't know if you saw the movie Rocky or not. My girlfriend's <laughs> name's Adrian, and <laughs> Pitbull's, my black pit bull's name was Apollo. Oh my goodness. Oh my God. Boxing, my girlfriend's <laughs> name's Adrian, and I named the dog not after Apollo Creed, I named the dog after the ballet Apollo. You okay. Know? Okay. But yeah, That's hilarious. You know, like yeah, it's it was so. You can't make this up. You can't make this no, up. No. So so and then I hurt my wrist. I already hurt my wrist training with this guy from my mm. neighborhood. It was like the best street fighter you'll ever see in your life. I don't want to mention names, but he was a nightmare. But he mm -hmm. made me hit his speed bag wrong, and the speed bag was full of sand and steel. It wasn't a normal speed bag. Mm. He trained like an ancient warrior, you know. So I hit it wrong once. And all the, these thugs are there, the two twins that, that I got in a fight with, snapping when we were younger. They're like, you know, they keep hitting it, bro. And so I'm hitting over the bad wrist. And then I just, my wrist never got better. But I still went mm. to the boxing gym and I was able with tape to do it. But then he had me training, overextending my elbow, and I got tendonitis. And now, and then, then because of the tendonitis, I was compensating and I hurt my right shoulder. And, wow. and everything was bad. So then I couldn't even play pool anymore. By 24, I quit pool. Like, yeah. That's a game for old people. Yeah, that's what old people do when they can't barely walk or do anything. Like, I guess I'll play pool. I'm so injured. I can't play pool. Mm. Wow. So I, I stopped playing pool at 24. It's sad. I wanted to be a pro. You know, I want to be a pro as a hobby. Yeah, mm -hmm. I would have got in there probably by about 30. I felt my progression was about would have been 30 ish. Wow. So what so what are you doing now then you you you're in this place where you obviously you're you're depressed, you're injured. Um, what do you what do you what's, what's next? next? What happens? Yeah, what happens next? That you're an adult. Are you you're living on your own, right? Yeah. Um, so, no, no, I was living with mommy. <laughs> I moved out. You moved right out. No, I moved out. Was I? Yeah. Around then. No, no, I did. You, I want, did you wanted I did a pit bull. Yeah, yeah. I didn't live with my mom. Yeah. Okay. I lived in uh, 57th Street. I had a roommate who was in New York City Ballet. Mm -hmm. He inspired the girl to come back to the house at night to take. He didn't know it was my virginity, but it ended up being my virginity. We're still mm. friends, by the way. Um, so <laughs> I uh, I just lived out that year. And then um, at 20, so when I was working at the pool hall, there was this bartender from Stand Up New York Comedy Club named Gordon who used to come up to the pool hall and play. And he'd bring comedians with him. This is starting when I was 18. And he brought this comedian named Sue Kalinsky up there. And I became friends with her. You know, I play, I always thought of comedians, these magically funny people, yeah. but she was very normal. Mm -hmm. You know, she was just a normal person. 
and she wasn't really cracking jokes. We were both joking around, whatever. Right. So that kind of like sat in my subconscious, like, you know, that it came out years later that you don't have to be this magically genius, weird, funny man to be a comedian. You just got to be smart and fun, you know? Yeah. And, and then, so he brought me to a comedy club, stand up New York, which was blocks away from the pool hall I worked at, which was on called 21 billiards over fairway on 74, 75th street. Stand up New York was on 78th. So he brought me up there. I watched the show. I remember this kid from my neighborhood, uh, this guy from my neighborhood, Greer Barnes was a big comedian. He was on the, um, the show was like his first weekend night that night. And I remember like, okay, this is cool. I still wasn't thinking I'm going to be a comedian. I was 18 then. Then when I was about 20, Gordon again brought a comedian to the Amsterdam Billiard Club where I used to play at a lot. Mm-hmm. And that comedian, you know, was a big comedian in the circuit. He wasn't famous yet, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. he was uh, he was a very big New York City comedian you know his name is john stewart we all know john stewart right? <laughs> wow yeah. yeah yeah so so john stewart we're playing pool and um i'm like this guy's normal too yeah he's not cracking mm-hmm. any jokes or you know what i mean it's just yeah. playing pool, we're hanging out so that really kind of gave me a confidence you know i started to slowly think about comedy and stuff and then i and then i finally said to myself you know fuck it i'm gonna i think i'm gonna try to do stand-up Really? So for like six months to a year. Now I'm like 21. I guess I started when I was 22. So so I was like, um, I start writing down all my thoughts and trying to put together a six minute act. Mm-hmm. Um, and I finally got it together. And I needed like I never talked in school. I never did oral reports in front of the class. I never talked in front of more than my friends. I, I was petrified to talk mm. in front of people. Yeah. Probably because I didn't do my homework and I didn't know what the fuck I'd be talking about. No. <laughs> I was, if I was good at something, I was super confident. Yeah. Yeah. But I wasn't at all with that, you know? Yeah. That makes fifth sense. Grade, by the way, fifth grade, let me brag a little bit. Fifth grade, I became, my teacher was uh, taught calligraphy to the kids. And I was mm. the best in the class at calligraphy. Really? She, she most of the uh, the special invitations to the fifth grade graduation. Yeah. You had me do those. I was the teacher's pet for cal- cal- calligraphy. Oh, I, I was just good, ha- good eye-hand coordination. I think that helped me with pool, wow. even in basketball. Yeah. I suck at playing basketball on a team. I never played team sports like basketball. Mm-hmm. But when we play just around the world or just shoot courtesy, yeah. I, w- I was never missing. You know really? what I mean? Wow. I had good eye-hand coordination, and I think that was with calligraphy too. I was very That's awesome. controlled. That's interesting. Fun uh, in fact. camp, in camp, I, I won the, the the trophy for shooting the twenty-two rifle. Yeah. I get my act together finally. I finally like fuck it. I'm gonna do the hardest thing which is to talk in front of people. I think Seinfeld had a joke, something like, like the number one fear for people is public speaking. Mm -hmm. And number two is death. Yeah. People are more scared to speak at their funeral than to die. You know? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) But that's That's kind of like, you know, I was petrified. Yeah. But I was super, super confident, super confident in my funny game. Yeah. But that gave me the confidence to, to, to say, fuck it, do it. And I was hopeless. Mm-hmm. You know, I was like, I need to do something and, and I can't dance anymore. And the comedy could be it. Follow us for more interesting conversations and more special guests. And check us out at asoulsquest.com.